to The Movie Brew, a podcast about British film and filmmakers. I am joined once again by my wonderful co-host, Lester Gartland. How's it going, sir? Hello, very well, thank you. Uh, we are back on it, and we are doing another British film this week. Yep. Um, we are doing Outlaw King, because since our, since our kind of experience with Ken Russell's doing Watching the Devils, and doing a, a, a few other films that we've done. I've been searching for a film to kind of scratch that medieval kind of film itch. Mm-hmm. And I think we found it. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. I feel really good. It. I feel really great. <laughs> Here's a clip. Uh, I'm sorry if I was rude earlier, but I, I should I know you have you no something. need for my counsel. It's true, I have seen very little of the world. However, a young lady of my standing is afforded a great deal of time to read, to form distinct opinions, and to draw her own conclusions about the nature of power. All right. Power is making decisions. Power is not allowing yourself to be buffeted on the tides of history. Instead, it is choosing a boat, climbing aboard, and hoisting the sail. I choose you. And whatever course you are charting, I choose you, my husband. All right, Outlaw King. Yes. So, do we want to give him a synopsis, jump straight in? Yep. Uh, After being declared outlaw by the occupying English Empire, Robert the Bruce, played by Chris Pine, raises an army of Scottish fighters in rebellion. Twists and turns all across the Scottish countryside lead lead this film on an epic true to historical events journey that captures heroism at its core. And he's really good in this. Chris Pine. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He's like, he's been doing a couple of movies recently that I've just been, I've just been like, that's really good. Mm. Cause Chris, Chris Pine has a bit of a roguish charm in a lot of his kind of, uh, casting things. Yeah. Like when he's in like Star Trek and stuff. But Recently with this and Hello High Water, it's just, I mean, he's just really good in this. I was, I'm just going to shout that out right now. <laughs> just real, real good. Um, but yeah, I mean, what are, your, what are your kind of initial takes on it? On the film in, as a whole? Yeah. Um, it's, well, like I said, when we were watching it, it, it has, it reminds me, it's got like the pacing of like a heist film. Yeah. Where like he's kind of, it's, it's just a really well paced film. Um, it's kind of like he's going around like, uh, sort of recruiting towns, I suppose, mm-hmm. recruiting villages and towns to like get the band together. Yeah, to join the re- yeah, literally get the <laughs> band together to join his rebellion. Um, and sort of has to like prove himself to certain ones. It's got like some good twists and turns. It's got some really good action in it. Um, and the story as a whole, while not like completely historically accurate, like the synopsis just said, yeah um it's it's a good it's good storytelling yeah um and it keeps it as historically accurate as it can while still being an entertaining cinematic experience and it's and it's it's done and executed very well it's done really well um yeah it's everything i wanted the king to be and i'm really glad we're doing this movie now (laughs) yeah it's literally like when we went to when we sat down to watch the king we were like this is gonna be fucking rad yeah and then we were a bit bored yeah and now we got the the king that we wanted. Yeah, exactly. The outlaw king. The outlaw king. Yeah, that we wanted. The king we deserved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so have you got any like techie bits you want to get into? Oh or? man, there's a there's a few. Yeah. But I reckon let's jump into the reviews. Okay. Uh, straight up, because I've only got like little bits that I kind of want to talk about. Yeah, cool. I've got like some little bits on shots and stuff too. Cool. So we can get into that later. So okay, we're gonna do reviews. Uh, so I pull some reviews that I find interesting or or funny off of IMDb. They're all out of ten stars, and Tarek has to guess what rating they gave it. Um, I've got four this week, just because okay. I've got one really short one, but I I couldn't leave it out. <laughs> it's the most fucked up review I've ever heard. <laughs> I can't and wait. It's like two sentences. Amazing. Okay, but anyway, first one is by Danny Boy nine four nine. Danny Boyle. Danny Boy. Danny Boy. So B O I. Oh, Danny Boy. Yeah, it's it's your boy, Danny, 949. <laughs> That's it. That's the one. Uh, he says, great film, but should have been a six episode miniseries. Mm. Outlaw King is one of the most visually breathtaking films of 2018. The cinematography, the set pieces, costume designs are absolutely perfect. The story, based off a true event, is very engaging, and the film does a great job at making you root, root for Robert Bruce. Okay. Uh, however, the film feels like it should have been longer, which makes me believe that it should have been a mini-series instead. The period in which this film takes place was a major event in Scottish history, and they crammed it all within a two-hour movie. Some of it works, and some of it doesn't. I I mean, I can, I can appreciate the balanced approach to that review mm-hmm. in the writing of it. Uh, highly disagree. I mean, we were just talking about how great the pacing in this, and it is yeah. very fast paced. It's really good. It doesn't like, bore you at all, like a fu- like a like a heist movie. Uh, to set the scene in with our watching experience of this, um, I had briefly with Emily what and my mum watched forty minutes of this film oh, yeah. over the course <laughs> of th- two and a half to three hours, <laughs> while I was uh, slow cooking a meal for us. And on her Netflix, because my mum's Netflix is absolutely terrible. I don't know what that Virgin box is doing, but it just kept crashing every five minutes. Sounds and like I just had to reload it. But the film's <laughs> pacing was so good that like we didn't mind every yeah. time. We was just like, yeah, it was fine. like an added bit of tension of like, when is this going to freeze? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, oh, let's do it again. <laughs> and I came back to you. I was like, we got to do this movie. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, man, like those 40 minutes flew by so quickly that I, I told you that this is the point where it crashed. And it was like, dude, it's just getting started. Like, Fuck's sake. oh, it's amazing. But um, yeah, like I was saying, the pacing is so quick with this. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there is this kind of consensus because we're so overwhelmed with content and streaming services and stuff that people want longer format stuff. We're now kind of conditioned to for having so much access to all of this stuff that we want longer form stories, which is all well and good, but some stories aren't designed to fill that space. And yeah. what happens is that if you stretch something out that shouldn't be that long, you end up with filler, like a lot of filler. Yeah. And this is the example of something where all the filler has just been cut out. Mm-hmm. Um, which is what makes it so fast-paced. So I can understand the need and the want for more, but that's uh, just good pacing. Yeah, basically. I mean, the, yeah, the, the the whole reason I picked this one to read out is just based on what we've watched recently. So we've already mentioned The King, which we weren't great fans of, Mm-mm. and it was too long. Yeah, It was just too long. And then uh, last week we watched The Irishman, which is just a too long yeah. Okay. And I'm, you like I probably say this every podcast. I'm just sick of films that are longer than they need to be. Yeah. 
Right. So this is like, what is it like just over two hours, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, yeah, like you said, there's no filler. Yeah. And when it was first shot, um, David McKenzie, his, his like first shot of it was like four hours long. And then he edited the shit out of it, brought it down to a, like a more consumable thing. Yeah. And then when uh, the first cut of the movie was four hours long. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. And then he was like, no, no, fuck this. Yeah. And like sorted it out. And then uh, and then it it uh, screened at the Toronto International Film Festival. And after that, like people loved it. And even after that, he cut another 20 minutes. Yeah. So he's like, it's I he, like he S- streamlined it. He's a man after my own heart. Yeah. He's like, we don't need this shit. Cut it out. Yeah. Let's get to the stuff. I will say as like as like someone who's dabbled in the realm of making things for people to watch and stuff. Mm. Uh, watching something or something, even when it's with a couple of other people or an audience or something, you suddenly see it as a creator in a completely new light because you're like watching it with fresh eyes again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you suddenly just all the glaring bits, you're like, I don't need that bit. Yeah, yeah. And like in an instance where you're doing that in a film festival, you just see the bits that people are reacting to. Mm. And it's such a good opportunity to just like recut and do a little bit of touches. People do that all the time. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm fully on board. Yeah. I th- think that's, he's... David McKenzie, man, just knock it out of the park. Yeah, dude, for sure. And like, I'm I'm just so glad that he had the fucking um like anti pride to like cut his stuff out of it. You know, yeah, he's man. not like too proud of him of his work to just be like, nah, you know what, it's gonna be better if I just cut this stuff. And the only thing is, like, we'll get into it later. There was one bit where I feel like I could have done with a bit more on that character. Right. And I'm sure you know the bit I'm talking about. Yeah, I think so. Nearer the end. Yeah. So we'll get into that later. So there's only like one bit where I'm like, you know what, I could have done with another five, five, ten minutes of that. Um, other than that, maybe it's in the it. four hour cut. I I'm sure it is. Release the four hour cut. Please don't. <laughs> or maybe for this guy release it and put it into episodes. Yeah. And then he'll be like, Yay. Yeah. So we'll that'd be a great. Time. That's the exact noise he'll Yeah, make. do the hateful eight thing. Um <laughs> yeah. What, uh, what I was going to say, you mentioned the Irishman. Mm. I wanted to say I found something. I was going to send it to you today. Right. Uh, a article that talked specifically about the fish scene that we talked about oh in the Irishman. God. Yeah. And why, the, and quote, this is a, this is a filmmaking's like uh, website that I follow that post on social, social media and stuff. Um, and they were talking about why that scene might be the best scene of the year in filmmaking. Oh, get- Oh, it was it was the sort of thing that would just infuriate you yeah and i was loving reading it oh every second of I mean, it part of me wants to read it and it, oh my god like <laughs> the wording in this and it was no film score and I, I i fucking love this website for like so much stuff mm. but this article was just like it's the sort of thing that like we we on this podcast like actively don't like like cork sniffy bullshit yeah where you're just kind of like you're actively kind of like saying oh this is great this filmmaker is doing stuff and you're kind of finding embellishing sort of stuff that's not we're not we're not sure is there like this is just yeah. one person's opinion of the reading of the scene yeah yeah so it's like the way the way they worded it is like oh we're with Frank and we're unsure if he's gonna go through with killing Jimmy Hoffa and the whole reason this adds like another layer of tension because he's trying to calm everyone down talking about this fish and everyone's just kind of right. like yeah you know it's just it really adds that sort of tension before you can even carry on and bear it there you go and it's just he's just he goes out of there and he's almost out of frame and stuff the writing it with it was just oh man no no 
It will infuriate you. I'm reading that, and then I'm getting mad. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's just too much. It's, it's the sort of like wanky, wanky writing that yeah, I just don't need. Just too much. Just analyze it and just be like, f- like analyze it methodically about mm. what these people have done. Yeah. And what they've done to make a certain effect in a certain thing. Because you don't know that that's the given effect of that. Exactly. That's his interpretation of it. That's your interpretation of it. On face value, they are literally just spending 15 minutes over a three-hour car ride talking about fish. Yeah. And then someone abruptly dies. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Uh, So, okay, what do you reckon uh, Danny Boy 949 gave this film? It's a fairly balanced review. It is. Uh, It's quite positive in parts. Mm -hmm. He doesn't strike me as the person who needs to uh kind of associate his authority by giving less scores than what he actually thinks Mm -hmm. so i think he was fairly positive i think he's going to give it six stars six stars yeah he gave it eight out of ten oh even better yeah i mean it's more than i like from reading that i'd be like "Mm, five six yeah yeah eight well so that makes that sense that's good but i mean i guess like what he's getting at like oh it should have been longer but that just means he wanted more of it yeah so makes sense um okay next one are you ready for the most fucked up review I've ever found? Oh, is this the one? Yeah, yeah. Oh, great. Um, so just before I read this, yeah. I just want to uh, kind of prep our audience. In this film, there's a battle scene where they make a trap and horses fall in it. And horses fall in it. And the horses are dead. And it's like, oh, no, the horses, all, the, all these horses. Yeah. Okay. So this one is from Captain Chronic. Oh, I don't know about <laughs> that name. That kind of sounds like a troll. Okay. Possibly. He says, incredibly entertaining movie. The battle scenes gave me PTSD. Mm. Extremely, extremely and violently graphic. Great CGI. Looks like many animals were harmed in the making of this no. film. <laughs> is that it? Is That's that it. Whole, that's that's it. Review. That's it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> he liked that animals got Is his favorite movie Cannibal Holocaust oh, or something? Probably, yeah. Oh and, my god. And obviously no animals did get harmed. Yeah, obviously they're not real. They're CG animals, horses. It's or like or or like puppetry yeah. or like kind of special effects work, practical yeah. effects work. That no real people don't do that. But Captain Chronic liked <laughs> like oh the, the snuff horses. No. He he loved it. Gave me PTSD. Yeah. I've, I, what, yeah, it's what, like what have you been doing for that scene? But he's he said that, but prefaced it like it's a positive thing. Yeah, and uh, what that's what what I'm interested in is, is in this review was like 2018 when the film came out. Yeah, I'm yeah. assuming. So what has this guy been doing in his lifetime for a battle scene that's set in medieval times where people with swords and horses and cavalry and like spike traps to give him ptsd I don't know. probably nothing there's like i <laughs> was he like in larp camp and like had a traumatic <laughs> experience there there's so much in these two sentences i have there's no just idea so much i just don't understand it look well he obviously loved it specifically because the animals died sure um, yeah because of the animals dying so That's the best bit. he gave it 10 out of 10 stars well he gave it eight out of ten well there you go he didn't like all of it he didn't like all of, he didn't like the parts where animals weren't dying oh, okay yeah. right fair enough yeah. the other two hours of that <laughs> film where the animals weren't dying okay let's move swiftly on from that yeah fair enough <laughs> i just had to read it um so the next one is from uh 
Alondar111. Uh, and he says, unbearable. This has to be the most boring musical I've ever watched. <laughs> hmm? Musical? Well, yes. Most of the action you see is people singing. This is one film that has no category. Actually, it has. Boredom. My G, this film is so boring. Ridiculous rituals that seem to last forever. Oh my God. Worst acting ever by Chris, who completely forgot the basics of his trade. Some good moments with some almost believable fights. Other than that, rubbish. This uh, is the uh, effect of having the wrong expectations versus the reality of what this film actually is. I don't know what their expectations were. I think my favorite quote from what you just read was my G. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That's a good <laughs> my one. G, this that's is just, not... that's one sentence by the way. My it's my and then the letter G and then a full stop. Yeah. I got it. It's a I good loved sentence. It. It's so good. <laughs> um oh man. I I what I don't understand is there are literally only two scenes where someone briefly sings. And like I hums. don't even remember singing. I remember some like like campfire, you There's know, like morale sing- raising stuff. There's one campfire singing stuff. But it's not a musical. One. It's not like a sing- song and dance piece. And then there's two scenes with the same song sung by Florence Pugh. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of she's like... She's like singing to her daughter or, yeah. or stepdaughter or whatever. And right? she's singing somewhere else. Yeah. Towards the end, which yeah. was a kind of a spoiler. Um but yeah so there's there's that those are the only three scenes and they're very brief they're like five seconds and they're like five seconds (laughs) that's not no 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 sir mudgy that's not right yeah i literally thought someone was commenting on the wrong film when i read this until he started talking about chris pine and stuff i was like oh until he said my g and then you realized yeah then i was like this this guy's legit (laughs) yeah Yeah. he's so legit (laughs) um (laughs) <laughs> oh man do you give it one star did i get that one right of course he gave it one star yeah. of course i'm getting it i'm getting on it i'm getting on it i'm right, getting you're, these you're things. one for three okay last one right here we go this one's from uh zonian 7094610 wonderful um and he says the title's long anyway it says mediocre acting poor writing great cinematography super costumes and sets but compressed and jumbled history what a great review okay cool <laughs> He goes, <laughs> oh, there's more. Yeah, no, that's the title. <laughs> um, okay, who cares if Edward II wasn't at the Battle of Luden Hill yeah. and no hand-to-hand combat took place between Edward and Robert? Aimer de Valance actually blew that battle. Does it matter that Edward finally confronted Robert at the Battle of Bannockburn seven years later and did escape the field in the face of a complete defeat? Even if you ignore the historical inaccuracies and timelines, Outlaw King still adds up to kind of a blah. The costuming, sets, and cinematography can't make up for the listless script, colorless characters, and just okay acting. Except for Stephen Deloitte as Edward I. Okay, the blood and guts were good. That's where it ends. (laughs) What a weird way to end that sentence. Yeah. Okay, the blood and guts were good. Um... Uh, that's really weird. Uh, yeah. I want to pick up on one specific thing he said there: colorless characters. That's exactly why I picked this. Um, I want to talk specifically about a lot of period films and period dramas. In sort of, this is not exactly what he meant. I'm guessing the meaning of stuff, that's but it reminded again. me of something I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. In um, a lot of people's depictions of what they see medieval uh, society being, it's all shot and colored in these drab grays browns stuff to make it just look absolutely depressing when in actual fact 
these kind of uh, times of celebration and stuff, what people would be wearing would be just very bright colors. Yeah, festive stuff. Of a lot of festive, a lot of reds, greens, and like blues and stuff. Um, and that's, it's very historically accurate in what it's yeah. kind of like depicted. I don't know if you watched that video that I, uh, I, that sure I did, about, uh, where they're talking about the um, historical accuracies. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like, a, there's a YouTube channel called Shady Versity, and they, I'm telling for our listeners, they do a series called Crimes Against Medieval Realism. And it's like just analyzing films in terms of the historical accuracies of the based on the time period by these people that are like really into the history and mm. massive historians and stuff. And yeah, just them going through all of these different things that like just shows the amount of attention to detail and yeah. and realism that these uh that these you know the costume designers production and designers and stuff have all gone through as well as you know the attention from david mckenzie himself and kind of crafting this vision of wanting something to be really realistic and part of that is turning up the color Mm -hmm. and making it really just quite vibrant in certain parts and it's quite it's really nice to see it's not something you see a lot you know what that reminded me of the king um no (laughs) it reminded me of um that that uh, interview with Ken Russell when he's talking about the devils and why he chose his set piece to look like that, where right. he was like, I wanted it to be like these people considered themselves modern people. Yeah, when well, he's didn't... talking about Ludon. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I yeah, didn't yeah. want it to look like, you know, Monty Python, like medieval dudes mucking about in mud mm-hmm. because that's not what happened. They, no. they At that point, they were the most futuristic people on Earth. So mm-hmm. that's how they should be considered. And that really reminded me of that. Like, there's color in this. Um like the castles are all well kept. There's no like, um, I don't, God, I don't that know. scene with Oliver Reed at the start of the Devils good, has to it? be one of my favorite scenes I've seen this year. Where where, where he's like um, he's shooing him away, yeah, pulls the contract he, out, and he's like, she's like shouting at the entire. It's fucking great. It's dude. one of my favorite it's scenes so, I've so seen good. on cinema. Like, <laughs> so he's just the whispering giant man. That's what they call him. <laughs> he never blinks. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it reminded me of that. Like yeah. it's it's in that vein of like this is actually what they were like yeah and they did wear color yeah and stuff and then um I, I won't get into like historical accuracies yet we'll mm. finish this review and then we can get into some more scenes on that because i got some stuff to talk about with that but that review is the same one where they talked about it's even if you add up all the historical inaccuracies as well like they're mm. they're counting the ones that they're saying are quite inaccurate yeah. when in actual fact this is probably one of the most historically accurate films we've seen uh yeah of for this sure time, of this for time sure. i mean it's the only thing that got tweaked is storyline stuff to make it more of a cinematic story yeah which is fine i'm fine with that yeah um that's what the fucking the king did because that's based on shakespeare's um you know yeah. plays of and and that was boring um and when you go on about colorless characters you want to talk about colorless characters in a film where Aaron Taylor Johnson oh plays. My, oh my God, we haven't even mentioned him. Where he plays James Douglas, who got the the name the Black Douglas for being a fucking barbarian. I've never seen an actual human, humanly depicted barbarian. It's literally that. It was. It was. He's like, a wild man. It was He's like, a fucking beast. It was like seeing a D and D character <laughs> like come to life. Yeah. I didn't even think I'd see that. Like just this yeah. wild. 
he gets, human. He was an he was a beast. He yeah. wasn't a man. He gets like serious blood rage. He's like halfway through a fight, and then he's just screaming like like fucking spits flying out of his oh mouth. He's just like so good. It's so good. That was my point. Colorless characters and that. Yeah, yeah. Just put those two together. Mm-mm. That's all you need. I I know he's called the Black Douglas, and black isn't technically a color, but. That's a colorful That's character. That's a colorful character. <laughs> I think you'll find by the colors that he wears when he's slaying people. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing, what, what, seeing as you bring up characters, I kind of really want to give a shout out to Florence Pugh. So good in this. She's amazing. So good. Um, she plays Robert Bruce's uh, kind of to-be-wed wife. I don't think her name is Marjorie. I think it's something else. I can't remember. Elizabeth Berg. Elizabeth Berg. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marjorie's the kid. And um, yeah that's it and so she 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 marries it but she really holds her own and at this time period she really makes it like seem that she's uh that she's while she's educated she's from a different background that she's chosen this life with this person yeah yeah and is kind of like trying to make the best of it and her opinion should kind of be respected and stuff yeah there's a particular scene that i want to get into but we'll talk about that a little bit later but all i want to say for now is that that's a depiction of a character that is extremely kind of strong and not yeah. just strong for the sake of being strong, yeah, 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 but holding it, holding their own yeah. with this kind of larger than life character. She was one of the most interesting characters for me. Yeah, it was really it was great. great. And I, it was, it's one of those things where I can understand that the other review when they're saying, Oh, I wish there was more of this. Cause I would have really liked to see more of her character. That's what I was talking about with the cutscene later on. Yeah, exactly um yeah would love to see more of that but sh- just a shout out for that because like that brings life to something that could have just been quite forget uh, quite a forgettable yeah. role yeah. played by uh a lesser actress yeah i mean and i only know of her from when we watched fighting with my family mm. and we were watching this you had to point out to me that that was her yeah and like for me that is the sign of a good actor slash actress whatever yeah. because it's like oh I just see the character when this person's playing this yeah. character. She disappears. She does the Gary Oldman thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's that's, I love that when, I, I mean, yeah, I, I won't go into it, but like, you, yeah, it's just, that's the sign of a good actor for me. Three like, films. You, just, you see I've, the character and you, you just see the character. There's three films we've seen with, uh, th- uh, three films I've seen with her this year. And she's just completely different in all of them. And she's amazing. Yeah, she's so good um, in this. So, so fighting good. with my family, she's great. Uh, my particular favorite, Midsummer. She's amazing in that. I still want to see that. And this oh. is just oh, so good. Really good. Um, so what do you think that review got? Oh, I don't know. I think uh, I'm gonna guess maybe one star. Yeah. Because he said colorless characters and stuff. He's talking yeah. about the historical inaccuracies. I imagine probably like he'd say that there's at least some good points in there. We said the blood and guts were good. The blood and guts were good. Right at the end. So <laughs> maybe I'm gonna maybe it might be that odd one where mm. my original my original kind of rating, the blanket rating that I give to everything is correct. Maybe he gave it two stars. He gave it five out of ten. That's insane. It doesn't make sense with what he's written. But that's what he gave it. That's fair enough. Well, one out of four ain't bad. Twenty five percent. Yeah, that's not a passing that's, mark. No, <laughs> considering these uh, these reviews are off the wall. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. Um, fair enough. Should we get in some techie stuff? I don't really have any productiony stuff apart from this is a Netflix film. Mm-hmm. Typically, with Netflix, they kind of uh, once you get a project, kind of get the green light on something, they really just let you roll with it yeah. and just kind of let let filmmakers make the film they want to make yeah which is great that's like their blanket kind of thing that they say that's all well and good 
budget for this. It's not a low budget film. No, no, it's quite high. Uh, yeah. 120 million. Yeah. So that's 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 pretty big, especially for a period piece. Yeah, they um, usually don't get a lot of funding, do they? No, they don't. So, not for this sort of thing. That's what you can do with the money. Yeah, man. So a lot of a lot of stuff with this, but it's it's money well spent, in my opinion. Um, as for techie stuff, you said you had a couple of shot stuff you wanted to talk about. Do you want to mm. go first, or do you want me to jump in? Um, well, I can start with the one that starts at the start. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and it's just a quick one. The first nine minutes of this film is one continuous tracking shot. Thought so, which is awesome. I didn't want to point that to, out to you when we were no. when we were saying, but I was. I thought it was stitched together to make to look like one shot. Yeah, but it's nice to know that it's all it's a one take, one, one thing. It really adds to the scene. Yeah, uh, because it, it kind puts of, you in it straight it away. Puts you in it, but it adds to the tension of it because mm-hmm. we're watching all these characters interact with each other and just kind of the dynamics between the works at play. They're all kind of trying to play at peace and play up to um God, i can't remember what the king's nickname was but um, oh the hammer of the scots yeah yeah um no it's not called the hammer of the scots the the, uh, the, the king the, the king. king of england yeah he's called the hammer of the scots yeah because he was like a bastard to the scots he was, oh, like, was that what his name hammering him down oh, okay fair yeah. enough i didn't know that was the thing um but yeah played by stannis baratheon himself Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they're all trying to play. Um, they're all trying to play up to that and kind of play peace and stuff. And the camera is constantly moving at a slow pace. Yeah. So it's kind of, uh, it's kind of like puts you in the perspective of someone that's in the room, yeah. circling the action as it's happening, and moving through it as these people kind of uh, play it. There's this really interesting i just want to i guess i'll get into it now yeah i just want to point out three separate moments in that nine minute take that i think really kind of just uh shine for me um it's really it's a really good example of how camera movement and blocking uh and direction just synergize really well and create really good tension in a scene that right at the start there's a point where they call out robert bruce and uh john common uh, these kind of two uh, rival factions that were a rebellion, these two heads of, that had a claim to the Scottish throne. Yeah. And he calls them out to kind of make themselves known. At first, we're just caught in this crowd, and then they step forward, and as they're doing that, the camera's pulling back, mm. and it's kind of revealing these people stepping into the space. Really enjoyed that kind of blocking and stuff as they were kind of coming forward. That was a really good um, example of kind of like sh- having these people step forward, step into the light, and also put the tension on because they're they're being put into the spotlight and with that we're backing away with them yeah that's a really good way of putting us in there the next bit i want to talk about is when they start uh having a friendly wager between edward the second and robert the bruce yeah people start circling around them when they're kind of picking up and playing with swords and stuff and as they're jesting and talking about this the camera is constantly circling around the two of them in a kind of 360 motion and it never stops. Mm. So we're constantly kind of in the action with them. It's a similar thing that happened in the dark night when they're talking about the Joker scene, as he's telling about how he got his scars at the Harvey Dent party. Yeah. And that sort of thing, constantly moving the camera in a circular motion doesn't let the audience get their bearings and it keeps them in the action at this point, not letting them look away from the action that's happening right in front of you. Yeah. And it's kind of a dizzying perspective slight thing that kind of makes you feel a little bit like uneasy with what's going on. And it adds a, another layer of tension 
in just the camera movement with the blocking of these two people fighting, it's a really good way of just kind of those things synergizing with each other. Mm -hmm. The last moment I want to talk about is the scene right at the end of this where they time it all to go with the war wolf going off. Oh, yeah. So the king comes out of the tent and then he goes and he kind of does a speech to everyone and to say it's about how they're all friends now and stuff and it's all good. And then he hits the thing and the war wolf goes off and he just keeps walking. And then as he's walking away, we just see like in like the best catable shot that I've seen. Yeah. I saw so many in the king. This is the one that mattered. Oh, for sure. The war wolf. And it just kind of. Is that what it's called? A war wolf? War wolf. Yeah. The, oh, I thought it was like, it's not, so it's not a trebuchet. No, it's called a war wolf. Okay, cool. Uh, apparently. All right. Maybe it is a trebuchet, but or that's, the, of, that's yeah. the specific name for it, apparently. Okay, cool. Um, so they shoot the war wolf and, they, uh, and it goes off and you just watch as he's walking away, this kind of uh, fireball just kind of shoot down into the side of the castle. Mm. And like, there's a bit of like fire going up there and then this fanfare is happening in the foreground as he's just as the king's just kind of slowly walking away just like like swanning (laughs) off like another day's business yeah it's really good blocking and stuff and just like direction and the and the cinematography working really well with the direction of the blocking yeah um and the production design just all coming together in this kind of nine minutes of awesomeness and it's like you can't it's not a moment where you kind of have a moment to yourself you're kind of thrown straight in there and it's great it's really gripping yeah Bit of a tangent um, there but no I, just... I, I love that shot i'm like comparing it to the king which we will because that's the thing to compare this film to yeah um when we watched that there was a lot of like flaming trebuchet castle siege stuff yeah and it was just so mundane yeah and then this one has one shot of a trebuchet throwing a fireball and the fucking thing flies right into the screen before being whipped up and slung over and it just like it just fucking grabs your attention, like whether you like it or not, it's got your attention. Just with the king swanning off as well. It's just great. Oh, it's so good. Um, just really, really well done. Um, there's another uh shot that I want to talk about, which kind of ties into some like cool historical things that we can get into afterwards. Okay, unless yeah, you've sure. Got any more. Um, so this one is um, so it's sort of halfway through. They've already met um. God, what is his name? I'll just chuck my notes. I'll just have a look. Um, he's called Amar de Valance, who's like uh like the head goon thug man mm-hmm. for uh the prince. And he's like a mean looking dude. Yeah, he's the guy that they say at the start of the film, uh Scotland, as Scotland can't decide an heir, they'll pay taxes to Amar. Yeah, um, yeah. as kind of a warden of England. Yeah. And a, a kind of uh de facto leader of scotland yeah 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 is what they're what they're doing so he's kind of doing that and he's just a mean dude he's a mean man mean man um so they have like kind of a square off with him and then um robert the bruce kind of diffuses it by doing like hey let's just do a one-on-one so like none of our guys die kind mm-hmm. of thing and then he's like all right but it's sunday so we're gonna do it tomorrow and he's like fine they go off um robert the bruce's lot go off to to camp oh my and God, then they get gonna talk about this. and then they get ambushed um by Amar in the night. Yeah. And it's just like dirty tactics, right? And after that whole thing happens and it's like devastating, um, you know, a lot, lot of lives lost, a lot of good men lost for just like some sneaky bastard. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, there's a, so Robert the Bruce is kind of at a low point and there's like a shot of a spider web 
just before it cuts to uh, the actual battle. And that shot of the spider, I just saw that and I was like, that's a really pretty shot to like break, like contrast what's happening. Like yeah. I really like that shot. It kind of stuck out to me anyway. And then um, when I looked it up, the close shot of the spider web before the battle of, of Lu- I keep calling it Ludon because of the devils, but it's like Loudon, isn't it? I think the battle of Loudon. Yeah. I'm going to call it Ludon. Ludon. Um, it's significant because it alludes to a famous legend regarding Bruce's retreat to Ireland. The legend states that Bruce was indecisive about returning to Scotland to rally armies and fight. And then while watching a spider attempt to swing across a doorway in its attempt to begin a web, Bruce decided if the spider could complete the swing, he would return to Scotland and fight. The spider was successful and so was the King of Scots. Interesting. So it's just like a nice little like nod to that. Yeah. So it's like David McKenzie knows he knows this stuff. Yeah. And he's just peppering it in there. And he's making it so, like, if you don't know it, like I didn't, yeah, it's still a nice shot to look at. And it's like, yeah. that was a cool shot. And then you go and look at it. It's like, oh, it has some meaning as well. Yeah. That's him going, like, shit, should we just, like, give up? Or, and then finally, like, no, nah, fuck it, we're going to fight. Yeah. So I just really like that shot. I just think that's really cool. The, what's interesting to me is, like, that's a very, what you've just described there is a very mot- metaphorical and Kubrickian way of, like, kind of putting metaphor in an insert shot of, yeah. uh, of uh, with, with a bit of meaning that can be analyzed in it. But what David McKenzie does in this film is he does it both ways Mm -hmm. with the empathetic kind of filmmaking and that as well. Yeah. Both in the same scene. I'm going to talk about a specific bit uh, because you've seen as you brought it up Mm -hmm. a moment where they're going away and there's a point where they uh, after just after that bit where he's decided to leave and return back to Scotland. um, He sent his uh, his wife child away um so they've they've gotten in the boat they've gotten away and they're going in a boat and then he's uh he's going off as well but we see the fight from the perspective briefly of a kid who is a supporter of robert the bruce yeah and we just see the horror on his face so good as the camp that he's been staying in and stuff is just being attacked and it's just before like it's just before all hell breaks loose and like that shot is maybe a, maybe a second, two seconds in there. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's a. It's a, it's n- it's not a long. You can uh, miss it. It's it's not a long a time with those frames there, but um, there that it does so much to put us into pers- the perspective of that character. Yeah, and it's really seeing this not from the perspective of the the people that we see as like the heroes or the kind of protagonists in this story, but just making it real from like putting you the perspective of a child who's just caught up in this mess. Yeah, he's just mixed in it. And it's, oh, it's so good. And having those two things so like close to each other in the same scene is just great filmmaking. But what I like about that, like you said, like that shot's only two seconds long. The spider shot's only a couple seconds long as well. And what I really appreciate about that is the director isn't, kind of lingering on those shots and going look at how clever i am yeah you know what i mean he's like he's got him in there but he doesn't need to prove to you that he's fucking a, you know i'm such a clever intellectual kind of thing mm-hmm. he's put him in there and if you notice them then good for you nice little easter egg yeah but if you don't if you don't notice them you're not missing anything either no. like it's just good filmmaking that's it it's very empathetic and then yeah. also got the analysis stuff in I, there as I, well i really appreciate that that kind of um approach yeah um i've got one more all right actually well it's not really it's kind of like a nice little bit of trivia so there's a bit where we talked about james douglas the fucking wild man oh my god aaron fucking taylor oh, johnson so good jesus 
bloody Christ. Didn't know he had it in him, to be he honest. He has come a long way from Angus thongs and perfect snogging, <laughs> he hasn't really, he? He really has. Jesus Christ, the man is a beast. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's a, there's a scene where basically he joins the rebellion because the English took his castle and his land. And he's like, I'll join the rebellion if you help me reclaim my land. Yeah. Right. And then and right at the start, there's that moment, just jumping in here, yeah. right at the start in the nine minute scene where he approaches the king, yeah. Edward the first. And he's saying that, you know, I'd, I'd like to come in and just, I just want my lands back. Basically. Yeah, yeah. I'm you know, sorry. This happened. My uh, dad was taken prisoner and stuff. We just want back what's ours. Yeah. And the king's like, I never want to hear the name Douglas again, blah, blah, mm. blah, blah. And then he gets like thrown away and outcast. And he's just like been living as a wild man this entire time. Mm. And then we jump to the scene you were talking about. Yeah. And then he, he finally sort of, um, joins the rebellion. Um, and then he, uh, and then Robert the Bruce says like, Oh, well, he asked Robert the Bruce, like, hey, can I, I want to take my castle back. Like, it's about time. Can I have, like, I need, like, two or three men to go and do this thing. And Robert the Bruce, like, pick five, dude. Like, you've earned it. You, you just get it. Like, bring them all back. Yeah. Um. So they go and they do a really clever siege on the castle where they infiltrate from the inside, which is from that video that we've both watched. That's how you would do it because castles are designed to not be taken down with fire arrows yeah exactly <laughs> um so he like sneaks in opens the gates lets the rest of his his clan in um and then they kind of sneak into like a church and halfway through the sermon they just go blood rage oh and he God. does his thing and it is brutal but what i what i like about this is okay um it's uh i'll just skip through my little notey bits here so in in real life it happened at a dinner, not in the church. Right, okay. Um, so the clan leadership was invited to a dinner, served a black bull's head, because at this point he was already known as the Black Douglas. Um, served a black bull's head and then and then uh and then oh god, I've I've mixed it all up. This is his demise. Okay. This is James Douglas's demise. This is his death. Yeah, so you, you don't see that in the film. But this right. is like afterwards. So I was just like, I love this character, so I looked some stuff up. Um, so they they invited him to a dinner, served him a black bull's head, and then murdered him and his clan. Uh, this is the, the, towards the end of his life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it would be the end of his life, and literally the end of his life. <laughs> Just in case you're wondering, uh, yeah. this is his death. The death is the end of him. Uh, yeah. um, and thereafter, it became known as the Black Dinner, which inspired the Red Wedding in Game of Thrones. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay, that's really interesting. I thought so. Uh, so they served the black bull's head and mm. then got and then into just the, slaughtered them. But all. this is unrelated to the kind of siege on the castle. This is just yeah, after, no, it's, after it's all the these film. events have happened. Yeah. He's kind of gotten his castle back and then was killed in his own castle that he's fought back yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. During this dinner. That's amazing. That's pretty cool, huh? That's what an interesting bloody life this person has. And what an interesting character. Yeah. Like to just read about. I kind of want to learn more about him. I kind of love him. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's (laughs) he's crazy. It's so crazy. (laughs) And it's worse because these people are real. Yeah. (laughs) Like, oh man, he's just a real life barbarian. He really is. Uh talking about the scene that you were talking about. Yeah. I just so want good. to pick out like a couple of moments in it that I absolutely loved. Mm-hmm. Um, just before shit hits the fan and it just goes into chaos. While he's at the sermon, we're shown a shot of um, uh, Douglas's kind of face and hands as he's praying mm. and he starts shaking. 
Yeah. And it's that kind of shaking with rage that he can't contain himself. And there's a couple of moments in the film like that where he starts like amping himself up. Mm. But there's just this moment of it's like, it's almost like an anxiety type thing. Yeah. Where he just uh, is uncontrollably shaking to the point where he just has to do something. And then he just starts screaming and going insane. And I just love that moment because that didn't need to be in there. It could have been played for surprise or whatever. But that kind of build up to the to the to the climax of the moment of just him losing losing it completely and start murdering all these people yeah it was it was just really well done i was just i really appreciated just having that kind of just shot of his face and like almost like he is actually praying like Mm. he is trying to like control an element of this or something yeah yeah um and then just gives into the rage it's it's i don't know maybe i'm reading too much into it no no but uh, i love that it definitely i mean i don't know if you've ever been in a situation where stuff might get physical and you're not sure if you're gonna be able to handle it or not yeah um your body just floods with adrenaline and your knees and your hands start shaking because it's like it's preparing you with all this you know backed up energy yeah. and you do shake and then and then you you can you know and then you have to get it out yeah um so it's yeah i really liked that shot because i was like yeah i know i know i know i know that feeling i mean i've never slaughtered a load of people in a church (laughs) i know what are you like but like i know like the build-up feeling yeah you know and the the uncertainty and um it's interesting you're talking about like a fight or flight thing that's probably more what it is that's exactly what it is yeah i've i've i read it more as like an anxiety kind of thing coming from that perspective as like kind of like trying to trying to like control this rage or this feeling and then it just it's like the feeling overwhelms him and it just kind of has to be mm. let out in some way kind of a similar thing but yeah, a bit yeah. of a different thing. Well, yeah i just saw it as like okay this guy's got an overacting adrenaline gland and that's yeah. why he's a fucking beast oh, fucking mad <laughs> and he's hench like he's so hench he's in this. super scary oh he's so scary <laughs> it's big crazy beard oh, and I just mean, screaming it's oh, so good it's so good Look, usually this is the bit where we jump into like scenes or stuff or we give them reviews. But as we're already talking about it, I just want to talk about one particular bit. We're already talking about him. Yeah. Right. Just before the battle of what are we calling it? That's not Ludon. Loudon? I think it's Loudon. Loudon. I think it's pronounced Loudon. Yeah. I'm just, just going to keep the... saying Ludon. <laughs> just before the battle of Ludon. Yeah. And just before the battle of Loudon um like they're both kind of like amping up their forces mm. and like getting ready to fight and oh then God, there's yeah. a bit where chris pine just goes today you're not men you're beasts and then we're just shown a shot it just closes in on johnson him. and like a bit of spit is falling out of his mouth and he's just like i've never seen so much rage yeah on he, screen he'd literally he he doesn't look human. He looks like an animal that's ready to eat everyone. Oh my god, it's it's terrifying. It's so good though. It's so because terrifying. it's it's like fucking glad he's on their side. Yeah, <laughs> like, Jesus. It's just like oh my god, and it was just like yeah, that 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 moment as we were talking about him. I couldn't not talk about. It's so good. Yeah, there's so many good shots like that of him, and there's like bits where he's just dominating in the battlefield, and he's like got yeah. this one guy who's like say my name. Yeah, and the guy's like petrified of him just yeah. petrified and he's like douglas and then just destroys him anyway yeah. like um oh god yeah it's like the, the the action scenes in this are so they're exactly what we wanted to see from like the king and stuff yeah. um and there's i mean it, it gets like crazy as well like they, they show like you know people being hung drawn and quartered and they, yeah. they don't shy away from it nope um which might be a bit much for some people but you know i i 
I think that's kind of cool. But I'm into horror films. Yeah, exactly. So like, that's not. Yeah. That ain't nothing. Yeah. Exactly. Um, that's for 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 me but i really i really enjoyed i really enjoyed just and i didn't feel like the gore was too much anything i just think it didn't shy away for uh the realism of it yeah exactly that's it yeah it it makes you go like oh shit this stuff happened i mentioned stuff happen. i mentioned this to you when we were watching it that um i felt like this had everything that i wanted from when we watched the king the action that I loved from Centurion, mm-hmm. but without like the, instead of the B movie kind of uh, playing upness yeah. of it, it really had the heart that was missing from that film for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really had the kind of like the heart and the characterization that I absolutely that I, I had been missing in both films. I felt was there in this film, so it was kind of like a mix of everything that I had yeah. kind of been wanting. Mm-hmm. So I'm really glad that we checked this film out and saw it. Um, and stuff i i absolutely really loved it i'm just really glad that it was a good film and it was under two hours yeah or, or just over two hours rather yeah. as um, opposed to a three-hour movie yeah which would seem it was a, a normal length film and it was good yeah that's all i want that's all we need <laughs> is that too much should we do our <laughs> ratings i guess we'll do our ratings now and then if we've got any extras and stuff that we want to talk about we can kind of jump into those as if we're doing like a spoiler section yeah i mean we've already done spoilers i mean we basically sure, already have but sure sure <laughs> Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you know what you want or do you want me to go first? You go first. I think this film for me, it hit. it's kind of somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of somewhere in between an Earl Grey or a chai latte for me. Yeah, that um, seems about right. I, um, I'm going to go with a chai latte. Mm. It's a cheeky treat with a little bit of spice. Yeah. Because it is that. Mm-hmm. It's got a little bit of spice, spicy bloody scenes. Spicy bloody barbarians. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and it's, yeah, and it's just really good. And the acting's amazing. Like, all the mm-hmm. characters hold their arms. The writing's really good. The pacing of it is awesome. Yep. It's just really, like, just streamlined. Like, it's, and yeah. it's, you can't knock it for the attention that it's done in certain instances for the realism. Yeah. I think that if you're looking for something that's set in this time period, as I recently have been, mm-hmm. um, then we finally you, found it. Yeah. We finally found <laughs> it. I can't, I can't go wrong with this, this movie. I think it's really, really good. Uh, so yeah, check it out. I think. Um, so for me, uh, yeah, like you said, pacing's great. Acting's great. Action's great. Um, couple of, couple of minor things that, um, that kind of stopped it getting that like top tier rating. Yeah. But um happily gonna give this an L Grey. 8.52. Thank you, L Grey. Very cool. Yeah, I think that's a good I think that's a good thing to have. Because I, I, I reckon it is it is around there. I I'm just wary that I'm giving too many high you don't scores. Wanna, yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, I don't give that many. So yeah, know, that's the thing. It means mind. more coming from you. That's what it is. <laughs> uh so it's probably somewhere in between those two, like around yeah. an eight. Yeah, so about an eight. But I think that's fair. numbers mean nothing, which is why we have the whole. Yeah, so it's an L Grey. Yeah, so it's yeah, a, yeah. it's an L Grey chai latte. chai latte. It's like somewhere in between those things. Yeah, but don't mix those. <laughs> don't mix those. It's gonna be horrible. No, it's horrible. Um. <laughs> oh man, that's great. Do you do, like? Do you have anything else that you want to want to talk about? I've just got like some little things that yeah. I, I'd like to talk about about like the historical stuff. Yeah. Okay. And cool. Then some other things, like I mentioned, um, the stuff like Florence Pugh's character. There's like a little bit that I would like to see. Yeah, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so okay, first of all, uh, historical accuracies and stuff like their wedding ceremony 
is apparently super accurate. Yeah, because they were so weird. Yeah, it's because that's the thing that we from this uh, a video slash article that we watched. Yeah, uh, on historical accuracies, it was like all the bits that stuck out to us as odd yeah. or weird or something alligator sword fight or like yeah like like the alligator sword fight <laughs> exactly. from the devils yeah um like <laughs> they are all there because of like the historical accuracies of stuff that would have happened at the time yeah so when we're like why are they laying down face down uh under next to each other thing? under a under a shroud yeah um but that's actually how you know kind of people got married at the time yeah even to the point where they would lay uh kind of i can't remember what they called it but like uh ooh, not wreaths uh yeah but like kind of hay, bits of hay it's yeah not basically actual, yeah not actual hay but it's like called something um and they kind of laid it down thrushes then, thrushes that's it yeah they laid thrush around yeah uh and then spread that out uh, and then they just kind of decorated it and stuff. And then as, as kind of a way of kind of decorating the the land and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just really interesting. Like the lengths that they went to to kind of make that done. There's a lot of seems, detail. Seems odd. Another scene that's historically accurate, which mm-hmm. uh, you pointed out to me when we were watching it. You were like, why is that here? And I'm like, I reckon there's oh, a reason yeah. for it. Okay, yeah, yeah. There was a scene where Edward II is like holding two swans and he's like, like, because they're doing a feast of, like, swans and stuff. Yeah. And he's, like, holding them by the end. He's like, buy these swans. I will, like, swear that we're going to kill these people yeah. as an insult to God. And he's, like, losing it, holding these swan heads. Yeah. Just, like, he's a he's a crazy man. Talking about crazy people. Sure is. Like, he's a madman. Um, That scene actually happened. There was a mm. feast of swans. And yeah, it's like a actually, ritual thing. Yeah. Not ritual, like a ceremony. And exactly, like, yeah. and then he actually did that, like, yeah. exclaimed that they would, uh, you know, kill, knock down Robert the Bruce at this at this kind of feast of swans or whatever. Well, do you think, right, because there's not, there's like only speculation on why that was. Here's why I think, right, because right. and I don't know if this is right with the time, but like swans are like the queen's property yeah aren't they and i don't know how far back that goes but if it goes back to this time as well where it's the royalty's property yeah then like eating a swan would be a big deal yeah that'd be like a real privilege yeah i reckon it was like a privilege meal for saved for privilege yeah moments which is why the king has like swans next to him probably preparing for a feast or something yeah yeah so i reckon i reckon that's what it is that's what i was thinking yeah yeah that's interesting there's another one of those as well where they say about raising the dragon yeah and apparently interesting and that's like they like go through with this dragon flag and that's like a symbol of like the the laws of battle are now like we're ignoring that Mm -hmm. it's it's going gorilla yeah we're getting crazy no mercy yeah no mercy whatsoever and there's speculation that there wasn't ever like a real banner Mm -hmm. and i think that's probably right because like i'm really into like etymology of stuff yeah really and um well then i've got to send you something that i've been watching really yeah we'll talk about that after the podcast but i feel like raising the dragon um this is just my speculations i feel like raising the dragon back in those days right the name for the devil was the red dragon Oh, really? Which you'd know by like William Blake. Mm. And uh, if you've seen the film Red Dragon, you would know about that William Blake Red Dragon. Okay. Um, so that's that's another name for the devil. And I feel like it's basically like an old version of saying raise hell. Yeah. 
like I don't think there was actually a flag. I think they're just saying like we're gonna fuck shit up. So there was there's a there's a the historical accuracy note here is that there was a, a record of a letter that the King Edward the First had sent. Yeah, yeah. Where he's talking to one uh, heiress, I think we talked to it was like the main guy. Mm. Uh, where he talked about uh, at the end, like we're going to go there and we're going to raise the drad rat dragon. Yeah, meaning as a term of kind of like in, it's interpreted to mean just no mercy. Yeah, yeah, and just kind of going in there and just killing everything and just yeah, yeah, not letting anyone off the off the hook or letting anyone loose. Um, so I think yeah, I think you're right with that. Yeah, because like that, in, that makes sense. The kind of raise hell kind of thing in the film they have like an actual dragon banner, but I feel like it's more just like we're going to invoke our inner devils yeah and sinning in battle is now okay yeah until this is done like there is no there's no limits like yeah, there's yeah. no there's no you want there's no code of honor here yeah that's kind of what i took that to me i just thought that was kind of cool yeah i think that's really um and then the, the last thing i want to talk about is um oh my god i forgot her name again florence pugh's character yes uh elizabeth thank you yeah elizabeth Burke, who is married to robert the bruce mm-hmm. um really interesting character um, kind of like reminded me of a sort of Bodicea, uh, yeah. you know, Joan of Arc kind of thing, but not, but not religious. She was, a, she was a bit Joan of Arc. Yeah, just not religious. Yeah. Um, but she's very, she's very smart, and she's sort of like, well, you know, she says at the beginning, like, I know you've got no reason to take my advice on stuff, but when you're a princess, there's very little to do other than read. Yeah. So I actually know some stuff and understand elements of power. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then so it gets sort of you ca- you go through her sort of journey. And um, it ends up she gets um, captured by the English, um, which is one of the reasons why Robert the Bruce goes back and he's like, I've got to save my, my wife and my daughter. Um, and then it kind of ends with her in like one of those hanging cage things mm-hmm. where they're just waiting for like crows to eat them, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it goes through the big battle, blah, blah, blah. And then right at the end, she's just like comes out of a carriage on a beach and meets Robert the Bruce again. And I feel like what got cut out is how she got out of that cage. And yeah. I would have really liked to have seen that. Yeah. And that's one of the things that stopped me giving it a top review. Yeah. Um, because, and you won't hear me say that a lot. Most of the time you'll hear me be like, we didn't need that fucking scene. Cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> but like, just out of my own interest, I would have liked to have seen that bit. I think that would have been a really nice kind of finish to her story arc. Um, maybe it's in that 20 minutes that was in the Canada Film Festival. It's uh, it's explained in title cards at the end of the film. Yeah, that's not enough for me. But that's not enough. Yeah, you it know? just says she Whereas got released. The Irishman had too many title cards. Oh my god. Um, yeah. this had yeah, it was it wasn't wasn't enough. I think it would be really interesting just to see it. But I think the whole point of that was because it was a few years later. Mm. Um, that right, okay, yeah. that happened over a prisoner exchange, and this is very much focusing on a specific period of Robert the Bruce's life yeah. during these battles and stuff. That's probably why that's not in there. I would imagine. Well, all these events span the course of like four or five years, anyway. Though. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if that kind of happened and stuff. Yeah, I get what you mean. Uh, but it would have been nice. It would have been nice to just kind of see. Yeah. That because we do see their reunion, yeah. Because like just the, the, a conversation of something, even if yeah. it happened off screen, of someone talking about a prisoner exchange. Would yeah, have been that's nice. it. Because like the title card says, it's a prisoner exchange, and like I don't know who what who was the other part of the exchange. Yeah, because the last we see of her before that is when she's hanging off the rooftop, yeah. and we're assuming we're assumed it's assumed that she's left there until she dies and the crows get her. Yeah, uh, that, I guess that didn't happen, mm. but. Um. Yeah, just something. 
would have been yeah, just nice. Um, the other scene that I want to talk about, seeing as you brought her up, yeah, is while she's a prisoner, uh, Edward the uh, Second takes her aside with her parents and uh, says, "You know, I've negotiated for your life. You can have this and stuff, and it will be okay. All you need to do is just sign this uh, yeah. affidavit, like an um, annulment of your marriage to Robert the Bruce, yeah. and resigning your." post as queen and kind of denouncing him and she's like breaking down she's like why like she's not sure she's gonna do it she's she's just been so kind of uh just almost just delirious from just being in the prison for yeah, so long she's just so broken and she's exhausted so broken at this point. and she's ready to sign and then she just has a moment of an idea of a thought that kind of mm. sits into her head and she's like wait why why do you need if me to you sign if you if you're doing so well in this war and he's going to die anyway why do you need me to sign this piece of paper yeah and like that's just a testament of like how much of a smart character she is yeah and it's oh it was great and it's also a testament of how good of an actor florence Pugh is because yeah. you literally see the light bulb yeah <laughs> spark up on her face it's yeah like, okay yeah this is really it's like good. wait hold on and then she starts <laughs> laughing at him yeah through her tears and it's oh my god it's, it's amazing it's really really good oh yeah. she's got my vote for favorite actress of this year i reckon yeah yeah she's so I'd, good i'd go for that um yeah so, she's so good in this film she's so good in this film um i could talk about this film forever to be honest because i really enjoyed it yeah. uh, we'll probably have to wrap up at some point i think i think soon is a good time now yeah. unless we got anything else um nothing, nothing major yeah nothing, just just really really liked it i really really enjoyed really it really liked it it was a really good one i think if you um fancied uh like seeing a film like this that just kind of had more historical medieval themes mm-hmm. a bit of blood a bit of gore battle scenes and stuff but also grounded characters this is definitely the one yeah yeah this is what you want and it's a story of a a guy who's been thrust into a position that he, you know, thought he wanted and then just being ostracized from his home and stuff and having to go yeah, back and get that. Realizes the weight of it yeah. afterwards. And it's like he's done the whole way through. He doesn't really act like a king. Mm. Like it, we don't see him as a king to the point that he's giving the crown away to other, like to the yeah. little kid. And he's like mucking in the, in the trenches, digging it out with the lads. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they're like, where's Robert the Bruce? And he's like, well, you better come down yeah, here grab and help a shovel. Us out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Grab a shovel and help us out. And that just goes to show it's like he's like really was seen as like a man of the people type mm, thing. Mm. And that was really interesting and really great to see. Um, with that, I think we'll close out our review of Outlaw King. Just yeah. fucking loved it, basically. Really good film. Like really I would, enjoyed it. I'd happily watch it again tonight. Yeah, I think it's a really good one. So happily. if you're in the Christmassy mood and you think what <laughs> I want is some medieval action. Yeah then just kind of pop that on. Um, yeah, so it's on Netflix. Everyone's got it. Um, so, yeah. If you agreed or disagreed with our takes, uh, would love to hear it. Get in touch with us at The Movie Brew on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, got an Instagram with that handle as well, so you can reach out to us there. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of stuff up on there. You can check out our, uh, our review chart, our brew chart yep. that we rate stuff with um yeah so yeah reach out to us and i got a website up moviebrew.com for longer stuff if you want to send us suggestions or your opinions on stuff maybe you got takes uh we can read them out on this podcast really interested to hear what you have to say that's uh, hello at the moviebrew.com 
and um yeah i guess that's pretty much about it yeah um I guess thank you to our um, to Forest Fire Creations for our artwork, and thank you to Jake Brett, otherwise known as Tamarin, for our music. Um, and we'll figure out what we're going to do next week, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Movie Brew. <laughs>